You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Orange and Black Insider pre-Thanksgiving edition. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. The Bengals come off of a big win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hopefully you joined us either live or after the fact for the aftermath. A little bit of a different format this week, splitting it up and going to go with that for a little while as we continue to bring you a lot of different shows. Again, I'm Anthony. He is John Sheeran. John, happy early Thanksgiving, my man. We're getting things kicked off the right way talking some Bengals as they get set to take on Tennessee yeah beginning of holiday weekend for most of you out there um now we're at Wednesday evening so hopefully you're off of work hopefully you're not training for some dumb turkey trot 5k whatever insane thing people do on Thanksgiving instead of just watching hey, football you guys are crazy yeah but if you are doing that hope you're resting up hope that we can be a part of your pre-training session but Anthony it's Titans week and I know this because a lot of people started retweeting this video I made back in January after the Titans win when I overlaid some ignorant things that Titans fans were saying about the Bengals and their lack of maybe physicality. But this is... Yeah, what were they the calling rematch. them? Soft? Or what was, what was the... What I, I believe was the... the word was finesse, which... Finesse! How could I forget? Oh my gosh, finesse. What an irritating... Yeah, yeah because the NFL irritating. team is finesse and has no physicality at all, but... Anthony, this is an yeah. interesting rematch between these two teams who met in the divisional round. Uh, I believe Mike Vrabel was asked about that aspect of whatever press conference he had. And he said, yeah, you know, the, this team is different, yada, 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 a lot of different players. But it's hard to it's hard for me to wrap my mind around them not remembering what happened 11 months ago and carrying a lot of that fire into this game. I would think so. Uh, and, and this this... That's kind of what comes with what the Bengals did last year. You get the target on your back. These teams that you weren't supposed to beat on their home field come back. They remember that stuff. They remember some of the chatter. They remember eating crow. And look, look at that term, eating crow, as we get, <laughs> come come upon Thanksgiving here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no, you're right. It's just it's one of those things where it's like, hey, this was this was likely as with the Chiefs game coming up here as well. Those teams, when the schedule came up, came out, you know, it was that one of the first games they likely circled. I mean, obviously, you look at the division and, and where those fall, but, you know, in terms of this team, this game, uh, this is definitely one that the the, bang, the, the Titans had circled uh, with the Bengals coming into town. And, John, you know, we'll talk more about this in a minute because uh, we've got to get some new to some news and whatnot. But, um, you know, the other, the other thing is, is this didn't look not only in the – in the summer months, but at the beginning of this season, this didn't really look as daunting of a game as 
we thought because, you know, AJ Brown gone, um, you know, they, they were kind of struggling at the beginning of the year. You had Ryan Tannehill out of the lineup and you were not winning games as much. And now all of a sudden, you know, this team's what, seven and three, the Titans. And, uh, you know, that's that's no small feat based on just how they've kind of rebuilt the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they've just established themselves as this unique team in the NFL where maybe some things don't always look like they should work, but it just ends up working. And they've created their own sense of sustainability. Like they are just, I think I think it was good Barry said it. Like they're the definition of a well-coached team. Like even if they aren't the most talented at the most important spots, everyone seems to play up to their level and they just churn out these eight, nine, ten win seasons in a really bad division. So they always end up making... The playoffs so before we get to into this full preview gotta go through some news and notes wednesday was a big day for the Bengals at paycor stadium or just outside of paycor stadium because jamar chase officially made his return to practice along with a couple other players who missed uh, recent weeks recent games if you will jamar chase was officially limited uh today in practice the media saw him go through individual drills they didn't see him on the rehab field so it looked like it was on track to be pretty normal uh, practice for him in his first time back, but he was officially limited along with Chris Evans, who injured his knee against the Panthers, Dax Hill, who injured his shoulder against the Panthers, and most interestingly to me, Josh Tupo, who suffered a calf injury, I think all the way back in week five. So he hasn't practiced, Tupo hasn't practiced since the middle of October. So he's missed well over a month now, and he was limited as well. So a lot of interesting names kind of getting back into the mix here, but obviously no more important than Jamar Chase. This is the, the the big kind of the start of the big time or the big part of the schedule where the Bengals need to kind of get healthy. You had Leo Collins getting his non-injury rest that he's been kind of getting throughout the season. Uh, Trey Hendrickson battling some form of an illness. We don't know exactly what that is, but did not practice. But I, I would assume by the time this game potentially kicks off, he'll probably be on the mend there. Little worrisome. I know what P. Ryan did last week, and and he was a, a postseason hero against teams like the Titans and the Chiefs as well last year. But little worrisome. You don't have Joe Mixon out there still undergoing the concussion protocol. You've also, John. I mean, you mentioned you know you're limited with DJ Reader. I mean, he played last week, but limited there. He's got an ankle issue coming off of the knee issue. You got Josh Tupo limited. Good news that he is back and practicing doing some things, but still limited, limited. And now, oh, by the way, you don't have Jay Tufele practicing because of an illness as well. Again, maybe falls into the same boat as Hendrickson where you feel like, yeah, by Sunday he'll probably be on the mend and doing, you know, out there playing, you would hope, unless something makes a turn for the worse here. But, I mean, you know, uh, certain spots, uh, while the Bengals are getting healthier at certain spots, like wide receiver and whatnot, certain spots here, position groups, you look at the defensive line, namely defensive tackle and running backs, a little thin based on injuries. Yeah, I think you always look if two or more players of the same position group have an illness, you have to always assume that it's just coming from just being around them. And that's just, you know, stuff just travels, especially this time of year where it gets colder. We obviously have no idea if it's COVID or anything like that. They don't really do the, the, the testing like they did in the past couple of years. So we'll just have to see how that develops over the week. But you're right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the defensive line right now, it's trying to work its way back to full strength. Hendrickson has been dealing with, with a stinger. He, he dealt with like a lower leg injury against the Steelers. Now he's got an illness on top of that. So he's just been he's been battle tested this year with a lot of things. And Tufele has really stepped up 
um, after the injuries to DJ Reader and J2 in excuse me Josh Tupo. So defensive tackle depth doesn't look too great right now. And on the Titans side of things, like their mm-hmm. their defensive line is still as big of a strength as it was last year when they ended up sacking Joe Burrow nine times. And they have some interesting injuries to deal with as well. Danico Autry, who remains a really effective edge rusher, he mm-hmm. did not practice with a knee injury. He's not really expected to play, so I don't expect that des- designation to change much at all this week. Jeffrey Simmons, he missed, I believe, week nine or week 10 with an ankle injury. He was pretty limited in, um, I believe, the game after that. And he was limited in practice today with that same ankle injury. So he's not been 100% as of late. So that's obviously something to key in on. Like the, That defensive line pretty much goes as Jeffrey Simmons does. He's one of the best three techniques Very in good. the NFL. Yeah. yeah, and but on the positive side for the Titans, they are looking to get Bud Dupree back. He missed the last couple of, of games with his hip injury, but he practiced in full today. Well, here's the other element to this too, John. Titans are coming off a long break, right? Um, they were the the Thursday night game the week prior against the Green Bay Packers. Um, while they were traveling on the road, you know, I mean that that happened. You know, they're, they're they still have to travel back, obviously, but they get a couple of extra days rest, and that's what's helping guys like a Jeffrey Simmons, like a Bud Dupree, potentially come back, be a little bit closer to full strength. The best and most Eye-opening person on this list, John Sheeran, and what he has listed as the injury. Randy Bullock with the right calf injury. Did not practice. I can't even believe it. Randy Bullock still having calf issues two years later. Hey, that must have means it's legit, right? I mean, it's not <laughs> left or right calf. It's just right calf. Like That's, that's right. It's, yep. it's legit, right? Of course. Yep, that's the that's the kicking leg. That's the kicking leg. We all know Randy and his calves, man. Uh, but we'll we'll see what what happens there. That is what's going on with the injury report as we get going towards the Bengals facing the Titans in Nashville. Big big game coming up here. Both teams kind of dealing with injuries, but also looking like they're getting very important players back here. Uh, there was a, a, some more stuff going on, John, in terms of roster moves. And different things, Uh, we kind of touched on it on Monday, but we have since learned a little bit more about it. Yeah, so on Monday, Trent Irwin um, was planned to, you know, revert back to the practice squad. But the thing was, he was already elevated three times this year. He only get a max amount of three times. So the Bengals would have had to risk maybe losing Irwin to another practice squad, just like Khalid Kareem ended up being signed by the Indianapolis Colts. So what did the Bengals do? Well, they waived Mike Thomas, they bring back Isaiah Prince to the active roster, and they also signed Trent Irwin to the active roster, and then end up waiving Isaiah Prince, who is now brought back to the practice squad. So after all this, you know, wheeling and dealing, you have essentially Trent Irwin switching places with Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is no longer with the Bengals right as of right now. There's still a spot in the practice squad for him to potentially rejoin, but that hasn't happened as of yet. So Trent Irwin is officially the sixth wide receiver on the Bengals roster right now. Isaiah Prince is back on the is on the practice squad after being on IR, then briefly on the 53-man roster. So Bengals have a 53-man roster right now. Most of those players are healthy, but Trent Irwin, biggest news for him is that he's back on the, the actual roster for, I believe, the first time since maybe a week of the 2021 season. Good on him because, you know, I mean... <laughs> What what timing to get his first NFL touchdown, right? I mean, it's like it's like, you know, you get the call up, you've had the max amount of call ups from the practice squad. It's kind of like you you stay here or you don't type of situation. 
I don't know if you saw the video, John. I'm sure you did, as did a lot of Bengals fans. But Zach Taylor giving out the game balls at the end of the game there mm-hmm. kind of talked about the, just the level of effort that Trenton Irwin has brought to the Bengals, whether he was a practice squad player, whether he was grinding for a roster spot in one of the summers or what have you, just effort, effort, effort. And he, I, I would say he was rewarded, but I mean, man, the guy, you know, he, he did the work and he performed himself, right? I mean, so, you know, uh, you got to, you got to have some respect for that and, and obviously feel pretty good about him with that last, I don't want to call it last chance, but the fact that he really, it timed well for him and he kind of took advantage of the opportunity. And now here we go. He's, he's on the Bengals active roster. It also doesn't help that it seems like every time the team targeted Mike Thomas this year, something bad happened. Either he dropped it. He was yeah. the target yeah. of the yeah. interception where he didn't really work back to the ball off of that tip pass drop so in the is, end zone right wasn't there one it, of those it, yeah it just seemed pretty it, it was the right move to basically switch out Irwin or Thomas for Irwin in this case and now they have six receivers who I believe they they can count on to you know fill in for a pinch I guess Stan Morgan would technically be wide receiver six because he's mainly just for special teams purposes but Irwin ended up being basically wide receiver three without Jamar Chase on the field and that as a practice squad elevation guy. So he outsnapped Mike Thomas over these past three weeks and definitely outperformed him. But obviously now that Jamar Chase looks to be coming back into the picture, like I wouldn't imagine Irwin gets a lot of playing time. But I guess Anthony, it is it is remains to be seen how much Jamar Chase is gonna be you know used in this game if he does end up playing because if he's out there practicing, at least on a limited basis, they they seem like he's on they know that he's on target to actually play in this game. And if he's playing out there, I, I don't know how much they can really protect him or like limit him. Like if he's good to go with, with that hip, it seems like all systems would be go. Yeah. I mean, really to me, it's, it's just, you know, how, how does it feel? You know I mean? I, and, and I, I don't like to, I don't know how I would, how I would word this, but I don't, I don't necessarily like the idea of someone maybe not giving full effort and practice type of thing or whatever, but I I think most of us, particularly at the professional level can concede that that there's usually a different speed, maybe even a different level of effort in terms of practice and games, especially at this point in the season. So, you know, him running routes and doing things in practice, obviously, you know, it's kind of like, well, I I'm going to, I'm going to go for it, but, I'm also going to going to be cognizant of it. I'm not going to try and tweak it cuz we do have a game coming up and I want to be healthy for the game. And then when you get on the field and you get to game time and he is out there, he's going to go, you know, full full go and and do the cuts at full speed, run the length of the field at full speed. And so how does that hip hold up? How does that injury hold up? I, I, we can sit here and say, oh, you know, and, and Zach and company can say, hey, he looks good in practice. He's feeling good. Jamar says he feels good, whatever. And then, you know, a few snaps in. I mean, that, that's kind of what happened against Atlanta, right? I mean, it was just he, he was out there. He was making a hell of a lot of plays, ended up doing so even again after he apparently tweaked it right before the half, did something at half to maybe make it feel a little better. I don't know what that may have been, maybe just resting a little bit. But, you know, and then obviously uh, after that game, it was – you know, a pretty severe injury. So my point is, is, you know, we can sit here and talk about the lead up all week about how great he may, may or may not feel going into this game. It's really just about how does that game speed feel um, for him? And, and is, is it fully healed? Is it near fully healed? And is, is there a lack of relapse type of issues with the injury? 
Yeah, I think the the plan, just like we talked about on on Monday, seems pretty clear. Like, just see how he does limited first, and then slowly ramp it up. Maybe a full practice on Friday for for the the walkthrough or whatever they end up doing at the end of the week, especially with this week, because the schedule might be a little bit different with Thanksgiving. Just see how it is, and if there's any sign of maybe he's not ready to go, then there's no reason to rush him when you have six more important games on the schedule after this one. But going back to that Falcons game, like it looked like something was really wrong with him as he pulled up on that vertical route and he ended up going to the locker room and then he came back out and played perfectly fine and everyone thought that you know it was, it was everything was per, was normal and there was nothing really to be worried about from for the long term and then they realized that if we don't shut him down now something you know even worse can happen and this could end up being a season-ending thing so they played this right they set, shut him down for three four weeks then he missed three games. And I, I have confidence that they're going to continue doing that or at least playing it the right way as he now ramps up to return. Well, if it was a month injury or something of that timeline, the Bengals played it absolutely right. Not only resting it, but getting him in there in the bye, not potentially risking an additional game with IR because of the bye type of thing. Uh, and then the Bengals go two and one without him. Uh, and, and the one loss, you could have said, well, I mean, that's it was short notice and maybe the team had to adjust on the fly, not not, you know, thinking they would have them. And then all of a sudden this is a pretty severe thing. So the Bengals played it pretty, pretty well, I think, uh, not only because of the, the win loss results with him out of the lineup, but and who against, by the way. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think it, it just timed out very, very well for the team and for Chase to come back. And then, you know, obviously with the stretch coming up here with some more daunting teams on the schedule that that makes a lot of sense mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need a fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special mother's day deals save big on the season's most beautiful trends for a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's an interesting parallel here with the lead up to the divisional game because that was the Titans getting the bye in last year's playoffs was so important to them at the time because Derrick Henry had missed half a season with, with a foot injury and the bye allowed them to wait one more week before he had to come back and there was still 50-50 as to whether or not he was going to play in that game. He was practicing, but he didn't look quite himself during practice and it ended up being just he just wasn't 100 percent 
And now you have two of the most important Bengals players leading up to this game. One, I guess, already returned to DJ Reader, but he didn't look 100%. And now you have Jamar Chase coming back for this game, and we don't really know how he's going to look. So that that parallel to me is interesting as we start to preview this game because on the other side of the fence, Derrick Henry looks like Derrick Henry. Like there, there still isn't a fallout for him. He's 28 years old. They're still just putting everything on his back to lead this team. And they, they're winners of seven of the last eight, even without necessarily a dominant offense. And they're playing just phenomenal on defense. So how do you see this team lining up right now with a fully charged Derrick Henry? Well, that's kind of the question because, number one, we just talked about the interior defensive line issues that the Bengals are facing there in terms of injuries. So that's not a good that's not good news this week. And then on top of that, John, when you compare last last year's playoff game, or I guess this calendar year, uh, the, the playoff game when Henry finally came back from the injury as opposed to now, you know, you, you, you do have to ask yourself, you know, where was Henry in terms of conditioning, in terms of, you know, how he was feeling in that game? But the Cincinnati Bengals, regardless, I mean, Henry still made a couple plays. He had a touchdown in that game. But the Bengals came up huge against a guy like that in a big game on the road in terrible weather. I mean, they game planned for him. They had the big, what was it, the fourth down stop in that game, right? Uh, so, I mean, they planned for him. And that's why I think getting Reader back and, and getting as close to as healthy as possible for him as well as, you know, Tufele. And, and if you get Tupo back this week as well, that's a big boost in terms of the run game. I, I just, I, I think in a way, even with the Bengals game planning against the Titans, I think regardless, Henry's going to get his. And I don't necessarily, the Bengals run defense under Lou Anaruma the past couple of years has been, you know, stark, starkly better. A stark transi- a transition or, you know, comparison from the first couple of years as the, as the defensive coordinator for the Bengals. But, you know, I think you're, you're going to have to concede that Henry might get into the end zone once in this game. Henry might get four yards a carry or close to it at some point. You know, I don't know that it's going to be 140 yards and, and a 70-yard run in there somewhere, but he may have some big plays. And if you remember too, John, I don't he's not on the team right now, but uh, Deontay Foreman had a couple of very nice runs against the Bengals last year as well. So, I mean, if – the tight and and the Titans for some reason didn't stick with that, right? I mean, it, they just kind of kept feeding Henry and doing different things, and a lot of which netted turnovers from Tannehill. So I'm interested to see that if if a some form of ineffectiveness by Henry is being shown because of the Bengals' effectiveness on defense, I'm wondering what the Titans would do to respond. Um, because maybe the threat of the play action goes away. Do they go back to a different running back and see if that works? I don't know. I mean, that that was what has really stuck in my mind about that game because Dante Foreman had four carries and three of them were really good. One of them almost broke off to be a long touchdown, but they just committed to making Derrick Henry work when clearly everything was not perfectly right for him. And that was one of the reasons why the Bengals' run defense like dominated in that game. And now DJ Reader has had this successful history going up against Derrick Henry, going back to his time with the Texans, and there's always been... A, a clear trend with Derrick Henry performing against DJ Reader defenses and it's never been necessarily positive for him. So that's going to be like the big thing. Like how, how close is DJ Reader back to hundred percent? If he's dealing now with an angle injury on top of 
of coming back from that knee injury when he clearly didn't look himself against the Pittsburgh Steelers like that. I think that's a cause for concern with this defense because look at the rest of the defensive tackle where BJ Hill is basically all they got in terms of competent players who are at least healthy right now. Zach Carter is still finding himself. He's making strides against the run, but Again, it's Derrick Henry and the Titans, and they know exactly what to do with that smash-mouth offense. And J.T. Faley's now dealing with an illness. We don't know how close to 100% he's going to be. So the interior of this Bengals offensive line, the the only positive, I would say, is the the Titans offensive line. Like I just said, like they they have good communication and everything, but they're not exactly the most talented group up front. I think the continuity definitely helps. They, They still have Ben Jones. They still have Nate Davis. Um, but other than that, like it's not necessarily a, a phenomenal unit in terms of both run blocking and pass protection. So the trenches is still where this game will, will have the most focus, just like it did back in January. And I, I still believe that the Titans are a little bit weak up there, even blocking for Derrick Henry. So DJ Reader's health is so paramount because that can just exploit that potential weakness. Well, here's the other reason why it's paramount, John, because can you name me Tennessee Titans wide receivers? Off the top I of your head, I can't. You you can't. Yeah, no. I mean, I I had I kind of had to look a little bit, and I, I may eat crow on this one, and and they may have a big game, but um, you know, I'm seeing Nick Westbrook, uh, Akeen, Cody Hollister, uh, Robert Woods is kind of one of their big guys, and Traylon Burks. I mean, those are some of the guys, but it's to me, it's truthfully a lot of number twos and number threes after getting rid of Alpha Dog AJ Brown, and last last year when the Bengals went up against this team. They got Derrick Henry back. They had A.J. Brown, who had had a good day, and they had Julio Jones, who had a couple catches against them as well, a much more formidable group, at least on paper, than this group here. So that's why I think the Titans, and this is probably, thanks a lot, Captain Obvious, but that's why the Titans really want to get the run game going, to utilize play action, and to be able to, you know, a, a not so, I don't want to call it a weak receiver group, but a not as strong receiver group can maybe have a little bit more room as that defense potentially comes up. And if they have some effectiveness running the football, they can utilize play action, which we know if you've watched Ryan Tannehill in his entire career, he likes to utilize play action and he's effective off of it. So that's, that's going to be the game plan. Run Derrick Henry, find effectiveness with it, utilize play action to get some of those, uh, Again, I don't like to call him weaker, but, you know, uh, a a lesser talented wide receiver group on paper than the Bengals are sporting. We'll put it that way. Well, it's a receiver group that needs a guy like A.J. Brown. And that's why, like, the, the Titans to me are so fascinating because of, of all years where you would think that this thing just fly off the cliff and just crash and burn, you would think it's this year, right? Like, we, to me, that playoff loss for them was very similar to the Bengals losing to the Steelers in the, in the 2016 playoffs. Like, it was a turning point for the worst where like this was the the pinnacle this was supposed to be the year that that they do something and it just completely blew up in their face and it's hard to really come back from that we saw it firsthand what it was like for the Bengals after that they had five or six consecutive losing seasons and that team that core group of players never saw success again and you would think something similar would happen with the Titans especially after I didn't they think traded. they were going to rebound yeah I didn't exactly think they were like like they traded AJ Brown for a first round pick they replaced him with another first round yep. pick pick in Traylon Burks who's been hurt unfortunately for them but you know he's still a rookie he's still more of a project as a receiver but just the Ryan Tannehill situation too like there were he like he talked about like being compl- like borderline depressed following that game yep. just how it ended up and like he's in his 30s now you don't really think 
there's going to be great days necessarily left for him, but he's still he's still kicking it because Vrabel just manages to get the most out of this team and their specific style of football, and they just continue to make it work. It's so it's so crazy to me. It it does, and I I mean I think that's why a lot of people are kind of banging the drum for Vrabel as potential coach of the year candidate again because of what he's done with this team and has them there, the teams he has beaten and the venues in which he has done so. Uh, You know, again, I'll just reiterate, I did not think that they were going to bounce back from that playoff loss. Number one, the emotions that came with it. Number two, you said, as you said, Tannehill was kind of an emotional mess about it um, and and heard a lot of chatter about his job. And oh, by the way, they picked a quarterback uh, in the draft, Malik Willis, right, to potentially supplant him. And then you get rid of his top receiving target, A.J. Brown, who's having a great year with Philadelphia and is a big key to their success. And you go, what, what is this team doing? What, what are they doing? And and here they are on top of their weak division, um, but at seven and three beaten teams and kind of waving their finger in everybody's face and saying, we, we kind of knew a little bit better than you guys did. And on the other side of the ball, like that, that defense is still – it's still built around that pass rushing unit and just their overall defensive line in general. And this was the story entering the playoff game. Like how are, how is that, you know, battered group of, of, of blockers going to deal with Jeffrey Simmons and Autry and company and Harold Landry at the time who was healthy. Harold Landry is no longer a part of the equation. He's got a torn ACL, but they've gotten a lot of production. They've managed to get quality production from the guys that they've tried to replace him with like DeMarcus Walker, who was like a second round pick from a few years back. He's, I think he's got like a 20% win rate over the past four weeks. Jeffrey Simmons, even when he's not 100%, is still really good. Tier Tart, I don't even know who that is. I believe he played in the game last year, but he's also a pretty decent interior rusher. Mario Edwards Jr., Rashad Weaver, who was a guy out of pit. Like They've gotten a lot of production from these guys, and I think this comes an interesting time with the Bengals' offensive line because, Anthony, I I think you can take away from the Steelers game. Like They definitely had some confidence exiting that game. The fact that they... Were able to limit T.J. Watt, the pass rusher, a little bit, maybe not the, the the defensive back. They were able to, you know, snuff out Alex Highsmith for the most part. Jonah Williams did a great job of that. Alex Kappa and Ted Karras continued to play well. Like this offensive line is playing, I think it's best full football right now. And it wouldn't surprise me if they came away from that Pittsburgh game feeling themselves a little bit, thinking that we're hitting our stride now. But this is going to be, if not their biggest test of the season, one of definitely their biggest test so far, just for how deep and how powerful this pass rushing group is. So like how coming off of that week against the Steelers when, when they did, when they did well, like do you see a similar level of success with this? Or is this maybe a comeback to reality check where things kind of regressed to the mean a little bit for the offensive line? So this is probably a very convenient time to bring up this observation of mine because of what happened last week with Samaj P Ryan, but I noticed it against Carolina. I started to notice it as the weeks progressed and and as this group has begun to gel they are getting a lot better at getting to second level blocking they are getting a lot better at screen and or dump off play blocking that was very evidence go go see our our guy uh Bengal Sons uh, on Twitter he broke down the one of the Pirine uh touchdown plays and you see Karras and others making all kinds. Of, and then P. Ryan, of course, navigated his way into the end zone very nicely, too. But there's a lot of nice blocking upfield on these plays that are now starting. The Bengals haven't had a running back screen game that 
at least not very consistently. It's been there here and there. Mixon hit obviously able pass catcher, but it's not always a dump off that nets big yardage. Whereas these past couple of weeks, I feel like it's really starting to hit its stride. You're starting to see some some things there. And this is an element to this game that I think I find very, very interesting. Can the Bengals utilize that potentially negate some of that pass rush stuff? not only by running the football, but by doing things of that nature, opening the field up, you know, uh, getting a little bit, uh, I guess, both kind of shortening things, but also getting a little bit creative because obviously they're going to be focusing on the wide receivers. The screen game to running backs, that's going to be interesting, particularly if Mixon is in or out of this game. Yeah, and you have to know that the Titans are going to be continuing to twist and stun just like they did in that game like their identity has has remained what it is and it's really carried i think this defense as a whole but and we talk a lot about the the defensive line david long jr might be the best linebacker in the nfl right now he's not even six foot not even 230 pounds i think he was drafted as like a safety coming out of michigan a lot like dax hill and he's developed into this weapon in the second level as a guy who also has you have to account for in the passing game because he can rush the passer he's got like 19 pressures in, I think the season so far and he's only rushed the passer like 40 or so times so that's another weapon that you have to take into account for as a guy that who maybe blitzes behind these guys who are twisting and stunning around and that that disrupts a quick passing game right we saw it last year and we saw pocket kind of break down from the interior but that's the interesting matchup for me because you have a, an interior group for the Bengals and Kappa and and Karras and Volson, who and the latter's really coming into his own, aside from a couple reps against Cam Hayward. But that group has really developed a strong bond between each other and, and has really formed solid pocket after solid pocket for Joe Burrow. And I, I think that's the biggest difference between this offensive line group and last year's. Like, you still have decent tackle play on, on the edges because you still have Jonah Williams, you still have Leo Collins. But the fact that you're not going to have Burrow having to escape to his left or to his right to escape a pocket that's crumbling from within like that's still the strength of the Titans defense and their defensive line but you're gonna see I think a little bit a more efficient and productive tape from that group I I'm very I mean I'm just very interested in seeing how this Bengals team performs against a team like the Titans because you know I think the Titans may have been based on the, the weakness of their division and whatnot they may have been benefactors in terms of how they got to seven and three at this point, but the Cincinnati Bengals, once again, I mean, they've faced the Steelers who've had quarterback issues. They faced two different Steelers quarterbacks. They're one and one there. They're two wins against, you know, winning teams. It was Joe Flacco, not Zach Wilson. I don't know if that's actually a harder task than (laughs) that's up for debate. Um, And then of course, you, you know, you had only less than half the game against the Tua Dolphins. So, I mean, you, you, there's other games in there and, you, you know, you, that, you, that you like. And obviously getting a win in Pittsburgh is always difficult, regardless of who they trot out there. But, um, you know, again, this is kind of one of those big litmus tests. And I, I feel <laughs> like you say, we can say that every week, but this is a big litmus test to see where the Bengals are at this point. Um, because, you know, you could argue about who they've beaten, who they haven't beaten. And now, you know, you can kind of say a little bit of the same for the Titans in some ways based on their division. But I mean, you know, they went into green Bay last week, albeit green Bay struggling and they beat them. So, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of a big, one of those big, uh, 
I feel like this is one of those big power rankings type of or, or hype mm-hmm. games the following week, right? You know, oh, this, this team's for real, contenders, pretenders, that sort of thing. Um, I, I, we may hear a little bit of that. So that's why I'm very, very interested in this game. And it's also like whoever the winner is, like I think the it, when you look back on this game, it's it, it's going to be a game where it's like the, the, the loser can definitely win the next meeting if they end up meeting in the playoffs. Like these teams are very evenly balanced in terms of like where their strengths and weaknesses align up. And I like what you said about lit- litmus test because it is definitely for both teams. The Bengals offense is riding high right now. They've been able to stretch the field and put points on the board without their best receiver. Now he's coming back into the equation. And we saw how good it was turning into be when he was on the field. The Titans defense has just remained this consistent powerhouse throughout the season. Their third in, in the league in variance for defensive DVOA, but they're 28th in schedule. So like, They've, can, they've been consistent against consistently bad teams. How legit is that? I, I don't think you can completely discredit the Titans' defense just because of, of the competition that they face, because they have really good players. That's the strength of the roster, in my opinion, and it's going to be a lot like last year, where there's going to be some ugly drives. There's going to be times when Joe Burrow takes a sack or he's under pressure. It's just about how can they respond? How can they remain efficient on third down that's what kept some some of those drives alive in the playoff game last year and it's what has kept this offense afloat even when the offensive line has run into struggles this year this is a big big game for kickers big game for kickers and we talked about randy bullock nursing the calf injury uh evan mcpherson obviously hit the game winner uh, you know last year in the in the divisional round and then he's coming off a nice game against the steelers as well Big, big game against uh, for, for the kickers, I think, in this one. And it'll, it'll be cold there. So, uh, you know, I think that's something to note. Uh, kickers are players too, John, as we know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Bullock doesn't go, I, I believe they had Josh Lambeau and they waived him. So I'm assuming they believe that Bullock is going to be fine. But if he didn't practice on Wednesday with, with that calf injury like i know what what the, <laughs> the contingency plan would be but mcpherson has some good memories kicking the stadium for sure yeah uh we'll get to a fun segment in just a minute but let's i mean we talked a couple of of keys and whatnot john one of the guys that i am looking at this week because of the the perceived lesser talent at the wide receiver group as opposed to last year for the titans Cam Taylor Britt, I feel like he's made a couple of nice steps uh, the, the the past couple of weeks. You know, kind of st- struggled a little bit in his first start. Led the team in tackles last week. There were some ups and downs, but overall, I mean, 12 tackles. He was a physical presence in a lot of different plays. Uh, that's a guy I'm looking at this week because if Tennessee is able to get some yards on the ground, make some plays on the ground with Derrick Henry, and they want to utilize play action, that's a guy I am looking at as another key to this game. So uh, the kickers for me, Cam Taylor, Britt screen game for the Bengals swing pass game for the Bengals to their running backs. Those are all elements that I'm particularly eager to see if, if, you know, things will hold up. Yeah. And that was, I think the Bengals biggest play of, of that game was like a screen pass to Jamar chase that almost went for six, but cut back and ended up only going for like 70 or something like that. So they weren't able to really stretch the field. And meanwhile, the Titans w- were able to do so. Like that's how, A.J. Brown had that touchdown against Chidbe Awuzie, like maybe his best play of his playoff career. And that's what the Titans can do. Like they are the definition of this, you know, model of, you know, running to set up the play action pass and set up those deep shots down the field. And that's honestly, that's definitely something the Bengals are keen in on based off of what happened last week against Kenny Pickett and their communication errors and the fact that T. 
Taylor Britt still has these these issues in off coverage or in these deep zones where he doesn't you know keep with the, the route that's entering his zone. He doesn't pass it off to you know who, whoever's his teammate next to him. It happened with Jesse Bates a couple of times and almost ended up going for two touchdowns. So that's a real issue that the Bengals have to work with right now. And I, I think it's more or less Taylor Bridges kind of fulfilling the himself as the player that he was kind of coming out of Nebraska, a guy who can keep up and make coverage because he's really fast and the guy is really aggressive as a tackler, but he just has these inconsistencies when he's in zone. And I think that comes with just time and just being acclimated into the system and naturally things will start to slow down. But like these these are the games where that can burn you because Tana Hill's not afraid to sling it deep when he's got that time in the pocket coming off of play action. Yeah, how do you see it going? What do you what do you what do you think score wise? I just I don't see either team really scoring that much. I, I think it's fine to expect like the Bengals being okay offensively with Chase coming back, but I I just have a lot of respect for this defense, and it's a defense that's built through the 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 defensive line. Like their secondary, I believe Mike get back Amani Hooker, who's a very talented safety, plays next to Ken Byard, but it goes through that pass rush, and I think it's not. It's not like a negative to say that the Bengals' offensive line is going to struggle against the Titans because their Titans, their, excuse me, their pass rush is really good. So I, I think it's going to give them some problems, and I don't think the Titans are going to explode offensively necessarily. But I don't know. I, I feel like coming off of that win against Pittsburgh was a lot of emotions, and they got the Chiefs next week. I'm not saying that they're overlooking the Titans, but I, I think the Titans end up getting revenge here. I'm going to go 17-14. 17 14 14 points scored by the Cincinnati Bengals from John Sheeran. I'm going to share something with you, John, and take everybody take it for what you will. This is the Titans' schedule and what they've done this year who they've beaten, who they have played, and whatnot. They lost to the upstart Giants in week one, 21 to 10. They got absolutely shellacked by the Bills, one of one of, if not the strongest team on their schedule thus far. At 41 to 7 in Buffalo. They barely beat the Raiders, who are a lot worse than a lot of people anticipated. They beat the Colts 24-17. They barely beat the Commanders 21-17. Commanders are just about a middle of the pack team. They beat the Colts again, 19 to 10. They beat the Texans 17 to 10. Lost to the Chiefs. There's another one in overtime at Kansas City, 20 to 17. A little closer than a lot of people maybe anticipated in that one. Beat the Broncos 17 to 10. Broncos, obviously, a dumpster fire at this point in time, at least in terms of expectations. Kind of the same could be said about the Packers 27 17. They did beat them. That is hard to go in there and beat Aaron Rodgers on, in Lambeau Field on primetime. So, my point here, John, what's the theme? The teams, the two strongest teams on their schedule, the Bills and the Chiefs, they are 0 2. Those are two playoff teams from last year, AFC playoff teams from last year. Every other team they have beaten, were, if I'm looking at it correctly, they were, except for the Packers, they were not in the playoffs last year. And here they are coming up against the Cincinnati Bengals. So again, I mean, I kind of, I guess, misspoke a tiny bit earlier talking about it, some of the wins and some of the games on their schedule a little bit. Looking at it again here, it is uh, not as strong as you would as you would think and the two losses they have stick out like a sore thumb the chiefs and the bills and so that's why i think this Bengals game is a litmus test for them um it's a litmus test for the Bengals, but i i i'm gonna go against you here i think the Bengals pull out one and i'm gonna say it's 23 to 
23 to 20 Bengals win because I just think the Bengals are are going in a different direction. The Titans have not really beaten a world beater or a, a even a really solid team uh, on their schedule at this point. A lot of teams, Texans, Colts, Broncos, Packers, teams with a lot of issues, a lot of struggles this year. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. I can totally see that. I, I I feel like if you play this game 100 times, one team wins 51, one team's win, one team wins 49. Um, when it comes to the Bengals, like they've they've had a pattern this year. They've won two, they've lost one, they've won two, they've lost one. And it's, it's a really dominant pass rush, guys. Like that, that's just it is what it is. Even if the De, uh, Denico Autry doesn't play, Jeffrey Sims is still really good. De, Demarcus Walker is still really good. Like it, it's going to be a great test for this for this Bengals offense. And if they do pass it, like I don't feel like there, there's a lot left to be said about what this team is right now. And that's definitely a scenario that can unfold. You move to seven and four. You beat one of the very best defenses in the NFL on their home field. It's tough to beat the Titans two, two times in a row, by the way. Like, they're just a really good football team. And I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's it, it's not worth overlooking them at this point. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not overlooking the Titans or I'm not overlooking the the quality of their of their team i just look at the quality of their wins at this point and the disparity of some of the scores and some of the losses and or um you know how close some of these wins are um i i think they're good uh, I, I my thing is is i i would i feel the same way about them as i do about the Bengals. i don't know how good either of these teams really are mm-hmm. at this point they've shown a lot of good things they've beaten some teams but they've beaten teams they should beat Right. I mean, that's kind of how. And then there's also a couple losses in there where you go, hmm, Tennessee loses to the Giants in week one. Okay. Well, the Giants are surprising. Okay. I just, I can't get a, I can't, I still don't know how good either of these teams are at this point. And so that's, that's why I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going with the Bengals who are trending a little bit upward these past few weeks and getting some guys back. Totally fair. But it is the start of a holiday weekend. We got Thanksgiving tomorrow and Black Friday, and just a four-day weekend, if you will, entering this day. I, I didn't really know. I, I wanted to do something, like, Thanksgiving-related. I, I was trying to think of, like, oh, like, maybe our favorite plates or whatnot, but how, how do we relate that to the Bengals? So I, I, I guess we're doing this segment. I don't know. It kind of came up off, off a whim. I love but, it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So if you were to build, like, your ideal Thanksgiving plate and basically associate those food items two Bengals players, Anthony, what would your plate look like? Man. Uh, so it's funny. Uh, when I was younger, um, there, I, I didn't like certain Thanksgiving foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was like a, a cranberry sauce that a relative of mine who unfortunately has since passed away. She, she, she made it, made it. And I, I never liked it, never liked it. And then the last handful of years, I'm like, this is delicious. So it's like my palate has changed. I used to not like stuffing, but now I kind of like stuffing. Um, I used to not really like sweet potatoes. I like some sweet potatoes. I like the green bean casserole, depending on who makes it and how it's made, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different stuff. Um, I will say uh, got to go white meat turkey, a little bit of gravy, salt and pepper on that on that bad boy. Um, and then I will say uh, a little bit of stuffing, so a tiny bit of gravy on that uh, as well. Give me some, uh, let's see. I got to have like a, a nice, like King's Hawaiian roll or something like that. Like a, like a sweeter, sweeter roll. I don't like to eat a lot of breads, but those, 
Those things are tasty. Um, man, I don't know how to equate these to players though. That's going to be tough. Uh, and then I'll, I'll take, depending on, I'll, I'll take a little cranberry sauce, a little green bean casserole. And then to wash it down later, I would say, um, pumpkin pie. So what, what is, I mean, I'm trying to think about all these. Um, I will say that the stuffing and gravy would be like a DJ reader, I guess, just quality, sure. you know, good, good stuff. Uh, your, um, let's see the, the, the King's Hawaiian roll with like a little bit of bell butter on it. That's gotta be Joey B. Um, that's just like pure, pure goodness. I'll say the, the pumpkin pie is, uh, Evan McPherson. Uh, and let's go with, oh, I, I forgot mashed potatoes too. Gosh. Um, I'll go mashed potatoes and gravy. That's gotta be, that's gotta be mixing, you know? meat and potatoes right and then your your turkey with the gravy and all of that i will say that is your your ted karras of the of the roster Ooh, you know like just that. just you know kind of like if you want to use a baseball term just a, a gap hitter right just boom just a clean clean double down the in the gap so that's i don't know i guess that's my my best attempt at it no i mean i i really like that parallel it just gets the job done right um for me like I, I want to start with stuffing because I feel like it's like everyone talks about it, but I feel like it's truly the, if you make stuffing right, it's the best part of the plate uh, along with mac yeah. and cheese who I would have right next to it. And I feel like stuffing and mac and cheese to me, it's like a duo that you, that you can't mess with, which is why it's my Jamar chase and T Higgins, even though not, neither of them are like the headliner, like a Joe, Joe Burrow is. I feel like those are the two that you have to have on your plate. And if you have both of those on your plate, you can win any meal, win any game that you want. Right. I mean, Joe Burrow still. I I feel like Burrow. Burrow's probably the mashed potatoes, right? You you know, I feel like you know what you're gonna get with him every single time. He always hits, right? Um, I I, I don't want to disrespect him by making him just bland turkey like that. I feel like turkey is is saved for maybe someone else, maybe like an offensive lineman. Like a turkey for me would probably be like, like yeah, I think it would be the Ted Karras, right? You just know what you're gonna get from him, even if it's not like the flashiest. You need to spice him up. A little bit, but he, he still gets the job done. For I'm gonna go green beans too. And as someone who didn't like green beans growing up, like I've kind of come back around to it. And for me, that's Joe Mixon because I had some doubts about his overall play entering the season just in general. But I feel like he's really grown a lot this year. He's really adapted to the scheme and he's really improved his ability to make defenders miss and everything that makes a good running back a good running back. So I'm gonna go Joe Mixon for green beans, and then I'm gonna top it off with some corn and what kind uh, of corn what kind of corn are you talking cream corn you talking corn on the cob you talking just kind of what would you call that like shucked corn off the off the cob and seasoned or how how, how, i don't we don't really do corn um uh, at our deal sometimes they do cream corn but yeah i I think it's it's probably close closer to cream corn which is like a little a little bit hefty hefty if you will so mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with like like Sam Hubbard, you know, like not not a lot of spice oh. for that guy, you know. But he, again, it kind of gets the job done. It's a nice nice ending filler to the plate, you know. He stuffs the run a little bit. Well, Sam Hubbard, big friend of the show, big friend of the show. We 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 love us some Sam Hubbard, and uh, he's been playing very well this year. But fun game, I like it. Uh, let's see, uh, you see, uh, just a couple of 
Um, ooh, uh, Mixon should be the role. That's a good one. Look at this one from Sage, Ohio. No deviled eggs, Bates. I don't know if that means Jesse Bates is deviled eggs and you don't like deviled eggs or I don't know what that is, but uh, that's another food that I since did not like very much. And uh, as I got older, I'm like deviled eggs. If they're made right, they are just chef's kiss. That's good stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess Emperor Starstream like my my stuffing with the with the DJ reader there because of the run stuff. I don't know. Uh, Rob Duncan with the correct take. Cranberry sauce, bleh. I mean, cranberry uh, sauce I, is the Alex Redman of. <laughs> I guess. I guess. I mean, uh, now that. Unfortunately, my my relative he may, used to make the best stuff. It's not the not the same anymore. It either gets too runny or not not the same flavor, what have you. But uh, if it's made right, it's one of those things. Got to be made right. Got to be homemade. Got to be made right. Otherwise, it's like ugh, I'm not talking stuff you plop out of a can. There, guys. Um, anyway, let's drop the mic and get on out of here. Happy Thanksgiving to you, John. What do you got for us uh, this week? I don't know if it's something you're thankful for or just uh i don't know whatever what do you got for us who am i thankful for i'm thankful for all you guys there's a lot of people in the youtube comments a lot of people who listen to the show i don't know why you still i mean i mean anthony obviously but a lot of you guys that have stuck around i see a lot of we've seen a lot of new faces this year in the comment section sticking with us through all the changes that we've made to the show and glad you guys have stuck by us so we're thankful for you guys absolutely thankful to all of you guys i see uh, also our boy strawberry ice uh he's getting down to nashville so uh travel safe down there and have some fun i wish i was going to that one i, I just can't make this weekend work i gotta i gotta get to one of these games john They're, we're running low i gotta get out to one of these games somewhere around here running low on options here but um yeah i i will echo those sentiments on uh being thankful there and i just gotta wish my youngest son Nixon a happy birthday. He's uh, two today. So um, he, that's uh, obviously one of the many things I'm thankful for his little sweet self and happy birthday Nixon. So, um, and happy Thanksgiving to you, bud. I, I, am appreciative to you. You put a lot of effort in. I, I feel like, uh, unfortunately I ask a lot of you, you always answer the bell. You always answer the call. So I am thankful for you. I know you tongue in cheek said, you guys stick around for Anthony. That is absolutely not the truth. They come in for your insight, not mine. And uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate everything that you do for the show. And happy birthday, Nixon. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, a lot of love here. And of course, it's the week of love with Thanksgiving. So thank you all. John, thank you. And we will see you later this week and this weekend to break down what happens with the Tennessee Titans. We're working on potentially getting a, a preview with someone uh, within the SB Nation Network, the Music City Miracles website for a Titans preview at the end of the week. We'll try and get that going and we'll let you know about that. So you'll definitely want to keep your eyes and ears open for that. Otherwise, we'll break down the, the result of the game on Sunday, hopefully a win, and uh, stick to this new schedule that we've got, except for we will go Thursday instead of Wednesday uh, because of the holiday this week. But at any rate, take care. We will see you then and uh, have a good and safe holiday, everybody. Appreciate it.
Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.